know when to start the recording. <laughs> well, amen. Brother Parker, what are we talking about this month? Fear. And what are we talking about doing to fear? Overcoming fear. When do we have to stop overcoming fear? When do we ever stop overcoming fear? Because until the, until the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, is still around, he's going to still try to come at us and try to provoke us to be fearful. I, I don't know about you, but I can say that for me. You know, I, I feel that, you know, you'll feel it when you go to try to witness to somebody. You, you might not call it fear in your life, but you'll feel that apprehension, amen, that, that feeling of, I don't know, I might be rejected. I don't know. I, uh, I'm afraid of, of uh, confrontation. I don't know if I could do it. And so that fear will come in many forms. I know Brother Parker's already talked about a lot of this already, but that fear will come in other forms that we wouldn't necessarily call fear. But it all comes down to that, to fear. Amen. One, one guy said fear is faith in the devil. Because, and then one other preacher said, that it, fear is of the devil. It's not of God. Unless it's a godly fear. And that word fear in the Greek and in the Hebrew means reverence. Not, not, not like fearfulness, like, oh, I'm afraid. But it's a reverence. So healthy fear like that is good fear. But the other kind of fear comes from the devil. And he'll bring it right up to our doorstep. And the, only, the choice we have at that point is to whether or not we're going to internalize that and make it our own. Or we can, perfect love casts out fear, right? So that perfect love that's in us casts that fear out. And we just, we don't have to listen to that. We can just tell him what Jesus said to Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. He's going to try to come. He's going to try to make us a trophy on his wall if he can. And he's going to use fear and intimidation. And that scripture that says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, that word fear in there translated means timidity. Anybody ever felt that? That spirit of timidity, like, oh, I don't know. You know, but he's given us a spirit of power of love, of power. That, that word power is like supernatural power. We have that in the Holy Ghost. We have that authority in the Holy Ghost. Of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. We are more sound minded than most people in this city that don't have the Holy Ghost. Because He's brought us out of darkness. We're, the light is shining in our life. So we have that sound mind. Amen. So Brother Parker left off on, on D, facing our fears. And so I'm going to kind of pick up from there and go to the end of the lesson. Uh, letter D, face your fears head on face your fears head on don't turn and run don't turn and don't turn tail and run as they say turn around and face that thing now if it's a black bear or a grizzly bear i'm gonna turn tail and run <laughs> it's not, i'm not gonna stand there and start quoting scripture to a bear <laughs> i don't know what i'll do I don't ever want to get in that situation. It says here, David faced Goliath head on. 
But he faced Goliath head on because he had some other battles and some victories in his life. And it's, it's that point in David's life where he didn't know if he was going to subdue the lion, but he, he felt that power and presence of God come upon him, and he did something that in human nature was not human nature to go, to go grab a lion by the beard and say, I'm taking you down, boy. Amen. But he won those battles, and what did that do? It gave him courage, gave him focus. So when, when, the, when the, the giant came, he said, you're just another, you're just another one defying the armies of, of the living God. And the same God that defeated that baronet lion is going to defeat you. And so God guided that stone to hit right at the right spot. And so he will guide our words when we give them. He will, you might, you might feel funny. You might feel that fearfulness coming upon you when you're about to speak a word to somebody, but just say it anyway. You know, if somebody was to hire you, one of these farmers around here to go throw seeds out in his field, in the old days before they had these seeders, you would just have a big bag on your side and you would just walk along and just do like this. And you didn't care where the seed went as long as it went out there in that field, right? You didn't go run around back and look and make sure all the seed landed in the right spot. You just threw it, right? So that's how we got to do it. We just got to throw that seed out there. Let God worry about what happens to it. They might take that track and throw it down. I heard one preacher tell a story about a guy was in a town handing out tracks and somebody got one and threw it on the ground. Along came this 16-year-old boy, picked it up and read it, went to the, saw the address on there, went to the church, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. This all happened years and years ago in the Carolinas. Somewhere around there in Pennsylvania, Carolinas, and today there's two churches that are thriving churches because of that 16-year-old boy that picked up a tract that somebody threw down. So you never know. God might be prompting you to give that tract to that person so they can throw it down so that other person can come pick it up. But if you let fear come in, they'll never, that'll never happen. That tract will never get to its appointed destiny. So... 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So therefore God did not give us a spirit of fear that when we, that when we assume that it's coming from the enemy our soul, of our souls, we need to deal with it head on. Amen? God's not, fear is not going to come from God. So when you feel fear, you know that it's not of Him. Because God's not given us a spirit of fear. So, if you do the math, that means it has to come from you or the devil. Or from an outside source. And he's going to use other people to bring fear in your life. And people that will intimidate you. Anybody ever felt intimidated by a boss? Or a co-worker? Or somebody you know, intimidated by a police officer? Anybody ever felt intimidated when you get pulled over? I have. <laughs> You feel that intimidation because of that, that authority figure, right? But God's not given us that spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So the Greek word for fear basically means cowardice or timidity. Uh, the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary says of Romans 8.15 that fear is the result of the spirit of bondage. So the devil is wanting to put you in bondage in your mind. 
if he can get your mind bound and where you can't move your mouth and say, preach this gospel and tell people about this gospel, he's got you. He's got you dead in the water. Fear within exaggerates the causes of fear without. So once again, like I said, when we internalize it, then, then we have accepted his offer. Here, I, I'm going to give you an offer. I'm offering you some fear. Would you take it? Take, just go ahead and take this fear and make it your own, okay? No, he, that's what he wants you to do. He's trying to get you to accept that cookie, to take that bribe and, and to receive that and say, okay, yeah, I'll make that my own. And then he doesn't have to do anything after that because you've internalized it. And I say that because I know what I'm talking about. There's things that, that fears in my life that I probably have had from my childhood, like Brother Parker was talking about, that fear of getting on that roller coaster all those years. He had to come to a point one day where he had to overcome that. See, I'm not going to let that dictate my life anymore. You know, somebody that uh, is raised in a family where the, the father constantly tells them they're worthless and useless and this and that and the other, or their father's constantly browbeating them to death and... and just constantly telling them how no good they are. And a a person like that will go through their adult life believing that, even with the Holy Ghost, until they finally face that that fear of intimidation, that fear of failure, that fear of, 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 you know, I'm no good. Until they face that one day and say, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. That is a lie of the devil. Until they face that and overcome it, that's going to chase them through their whole life. Amen? We all have fears in everyday life. It may be manifest itself as distress or dismay or worry. Anybody ever have any worries? Nobody ever worries about anything, do they? Amen. The Bible says casting all your care. That, that word care is anxiety or worry. So if we take all of our fears, you know, when, when the doctor report comes, we just say, God, you know what's going on in my life. If, if this is supposed to be, then it's, you got it. I'm not going to fear it. I'm not going to worry about it. Amen? So in the end, the root of all these this worry and this uneasiness, apprehension, anybody ever felt apprehensive? Like you're going out for a track meet or something and you know that person's better than you? But you're going to do it anyway, and, and lo and behold, you win? Or how about if a young person that's trying to get into a college, and they're, they have this fear of they won't accept me. I mean, we deal with fear in a lot of different ways in our life. We just don't call it fear. So all of this, like I said, all this that's on the outside, we have to not allow ourselves to internalize it. So... Letter E, be controlled by the laws of love. That scripture says it right there. Perfect love casts out fear. That I already quoted. Master, which is, is the greatest command in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. There are two laws of love that will help us overcome fear. The law of loving God. Amen. We've got to love God. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. 
He loved you before you ever were a seed inside of a woman's womb. He loved you. He knew who you were. He knew you. He knows our frame, the Bible says. He knows what we're going through every day. He knows our lying down, our rising up. He's there. He's aware of everything. We, we might look up and say, but God, what about this that's happening? And he might say, well, I knew about that too before it started happening. So don't fear it. Just walk. Go through it. I'm on the other side already. But you've got to get through it to walk, to go to the other side. To get to Him. So, the law of loving God, His ways and His word, and with the love we show for ourselves and others. Now, He had in here just for others, but I was reading through this and I thought, you know, I've got to love myself. That's what that scripture says got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's really hard to love other people if you don't love yourself. So we've got to have a love for ourselves, And we've got to receive God's love. If the wife, My wife and I, the love that we have, she has to receive my love. I have to receive her love before I can give her love back. If, I, if she's giving and I'm not receiving, there's a problem. If God's giving and I'm not receiving... I'm saying, well, your love's not good enough. But I've got to receive his love. And his love is what? It's that agape. It's that unconditional love. He doesn't care. I mean, he cares, but he he really doesn't care what we've done. Amen. Look at Israel. Brother Richard and I were talking about King David when when he was challenged by the enemy to number Israel. And then God gave him three choices of what kind of plague, what kind of thing he would put judgment he was going to bring upon Israel. Two of those things dealt with human beings being involved. The third one dealt with God only. It was a plague that God would bring. And he chose the third thing because he knew God would have mercy. And God did have mercy and he stopped that plague. Amen. He loved David enough that even though David did the things that he did, he still let him come and repent. He still let him come and say, I have sinned against you. And so we've got to receive His love. It's unconditional. Amen? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath, what? Torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And I believe that word love there is agape and not filio. So that's God's love. That's that unconditional love. So he that feareth is fearful in the flesh, fearful of life, fearful of all these things that we have fear of in our life, is not made perfect in love. So fear is a a hindrance to our relationship with the Father. And that's what the enemy's out to do, is to disrupt our relationship. It's It's just like there's a... A pipe running from here to the Father. And i got to stay connected to that pipe so that I can receive His love and His blessings and His encouragement and all the things that I need in my life. If I get disconnected from that pipe then I'm, and it's cut off, then I'm not receiving anything. It's backing up. That's when I start feeling lonely and alone and, and forlorn and all fearful and all these things. And that's what the enemy's trying to do is to get you... To walk away. It's like you got to... 
I kind of look at it like this. You've got to kind of stand in this one spot where the flow is coming. If you step away from the spot, then there's no more flow. So we've got to stay in the flow of God in our life. Amen? Doing pretty good. All right. Letter F. Don't be afraid to suffer for your faith. We don't want to talk about this right now, do we? Now, we, we were talking a minute ago about like going to jail and all those kind of things. And, and I know that in our history in Pentecost that we've had churches and that were started in towns on, under tents that had uh, sawdust floors and people would come and throw rotten tomatoes and, and do all kinds of stuff and burn the tent down and all that kind of stuff just because we wanted to have church. And we weren't preaching the same thing they were. And those people that went through that back in those days, those brush arbors and stuff, they, they tolerated that. And they would just go get another tent. And they would just clean the tomatoes up and say, praise God. And they would come right back the next night and have church again. And sometimes they'd get beat up. And they'd come right back and have church again. Do we have that same determination that we would do that? You know, we, we, once again, we're so far removed from that sometimes, we can't imagine somebody coming in these doors and telling us we can't have church. And if somebody did that, I mean, I would almost laugh at them. Like, really? <laughs> you know, I need to see something, paperwork or something. Right? Don't, no, we wouldn't want to do that. I'm glad that didn't get on the <laughs> Amen. We'd want to love them, if anything. We'd want the power of God in here to be so strong that when they did come in the door to try to serve their papers, they felt the power of God so strong they would just be slain on the floor. That's what I would want to see. That's what I would want to see, the power of God so strong. And we we kind of chuckle at that. But there was a day when that would happen, when people, on the days back in Azusa Street, they said people were walking down the sidewalk in front of the building. And they weren't having church like we have church now. They were just had prayer. Just prayer, 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 prayer. Praying in the Spirit. And they said people would just be slain on the sidewalk. Not, not having any intention of going in the building, just walking by. Down they go. Amen? I've heard stories of churches that had such a powerful move of God that somebody in the neighborhood thought the building was on fire and called the fire department. And the fire department showed up and the firemen came in the building with all their gear on and hoses and everything. Where's the fire? And they're looking around. There's no smoke and there's no fire. And God started just boom, 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 hitting all of them. That really happened. I don't know where it happened, but it really did happen. Amen. I want somebody to call the fire department on this church. Don't you? <laughs> that we have such an on-fire prayer meeting here that somebody's going, Hey, that old church down on Charles Street's on fire. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Amen. So, But we have to be willing to, to suffer some things. In Revelations 2 and 10 says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. The devil himself is going to come cast some of us into prison? No. 
But he's going to send some of his minions to do it. Somebody that's serving him. He will cause people to do it. Just like he caused David to number Israel. But it says right there in the word. Devil's going to, Satan, the devil is going to cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. But thou be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. Are we willing to die for the gospel's sake? Are we willing to be beaten to the point where we can't use our legs anymore for the sake of the gospel? Like a young teenage girl in Iran. Are we willing to go through that? What would we do if we were confronted with that decision? I mean, there's a group out there that the name of their group means submission. And their, their whole modus operandi is... If you don't submit to their way and and walk away from what you believe, they're going to cut your head off. Would you be willing to say, well, fine then. Where do I go to get my head cut off? Would you be willing to, to be put in a cage and, and drop slowly into a body of water or have fire sent down to your cage and have the cage covered with oil and have yourself burned, to, burned alive? They're doing this. They're hanging them in public. Would we be willing to go through that for the sake of the gospel? Oh, that'll never happen. Well, how do you know that? The, the, the last day revival, the last day harvest is, the Bible says that the planter is going to overtake the reaper. Do you understand what that means? The guys that are reaping from the last harvest are still going to be reaping. And the guys with the seeds are going to be coming right behind them going, Dude, move out of the way. i got to plant some more seeds. That's how big the harvest is going to be. Bigger than anybody can take credit for. And so, with that time, is going to come a lot of persecution. If you believe that God caused the church to grow because of persecution in the New Testament in the book of Acts, we're still in the book of Acts, so it can still happen. Amen. Jesus did not promise them exemption from suffering. Amen. The only way you're going to get out of pain and problems and all that is to be dead and out of here. So if you're living, you're going to have these things. We were talking about it Sunday, the trying of our faith. Amen. The temptations that God's going to send us to see what we'll do. Amen. I don't want there to be any dross in my life. Do you? And if that's what it takes to get the dross out, then I want that. We should want that. But we've got to be busy doing what God's told us to do. He's called us to be witnesses. And remember, I don't know if you all remember this, but that word in Acts 1 and 8, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That word witnesses, what did it mean? Martyrs. I I want to be the first one in line to be a martyr for Jesus. Anybody with me? Amen. Amen. He knew that we were going to suffer, and he specifies the way their, that their afflictions would occur. Satan would cast them into prison. And they'd be treated cruelly. Would you allow... What would you do if you had to go and go to prison or beheaded and be beheaded in front of your own son for the sake of the gospel? Would you do it? We have to, you know, those things, we're going to have to deal with that. 
Mark 4 and 35 says, In the same day when the even was come, he, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and they were, there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm and a wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Has anybody ever felt like God was back asleep on a pillow letting you go through some stuff? He knew what they were going through. He knew what they were going to go through before they ever got in the ship. He didn't. He had no worries. <laughs> and he arose and rebuked the wind. Oh, I skipped part of that. And they, they awaked him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto them, Under the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Why are you so timid and faint-hearted? Where's your faith? How is it you have no faith? Faith in what? Faith in Him. Faith in His power. You're with the power. He's in the boat with you. It's not just faith in ourselves. It's faith in Him. Faith in His faithfulness. Has He ever let you down? Anybody? Anybody? Ever? Have you ever been destitute? Have you ever been homeless? I was one time. But I wasn't serving God then. And He only let me be homeless for about nine months. So I know what that feels like. It is a long time when you're homeless. Amen. So He's never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread. That's a principle. That's a principle. That doesn't mean you're not going to suffer some things. But he's always going to take care of you. It might not be a, a three-inch roast beef and, and Swiss sandwich. It might just be one little piece of meat, but he's going to take care of you. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want that kind of, uh, that kind of response to the things that I do for God. Wow, I don't know who that God is he's serving or she's serving, but man, that, that just blows my mind that that happened or this happened and that, you know, some doctor somewhere in the world. I don't understand it. You know, you, you came in here with cancer and now it's gone. One, one, one guy had, his wife had to go through having chemo and everything while she had cancer. And when it got to the end of it, after nine months of chemo, the doctor said, you know, this tissue we took out of there, there's no cancer in it. Weird thing. Right? <laughs> I mean, your, your, your first response would be, well, why didn't you do that nine months ago? <laughs> why did you make us go through that? But they had to go through that journey for a reason, to help purify them. Sometimes <laughs> he's not going to fix stuff because it's not... It's there in our life not to be fixed. It's there in our life to fix us. Amen? How many believe that? Amen. You know, I look at the disciples and all that they went through. If they had to tolerate and put up with stuff and persecution, why should we expect, oh, well, this is modern day apostolic. We don't have to go through all that, right? Mm, I don't know. How come we aren't fully persuaded that even the storm, when storms arise in our life, He's there? What's our first response to a storm sometimes? 
Oh, dear God, get me out of this. Because we become fearful. Like, oh, he's finally just walked away and left me. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say it wouldn't feel like he wasn't there. Anybody ever felt like God wasn't there? That, that dead silence where he's not talking to you? You know, that little poster of the, the sand, you know, the footprints in the sand, right? When there was two sets of footprints, it was you and him walking together. When there was one, he's carrying you. He's there. When you don't see him, he's there. The same way that Jesus admonished his disciples, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's the same that applies to us today. It's your Father's good pleasure. It's for his good pleasure. It's not like pleasure, like let's go to the theme park pleasure. It's for his good pleasure. It's his good pleasure. It's his desire to give us the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this other stuff will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. Amen. He'll give us an abundance. Amen. Just like we were talking about the extra time on the clock, the extra money that's going to come from that. That's God's abundance. Amen. He is... He is a God that blesses. What did Job say? The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It would be hard to have all those kids that were grown and had their own families to, to see all of that wiped out before your very eyes and not have a spirit of fearfulness. Like, oh my God, what have I done? To deserve this. Right? Like asking God why. But God had a purpose in all of that. He was purifying Job. Because in the end, Job had to admit some things about himself, which was the whole purpose of that whole exercise anyway, was to get Job to say, okay, there's some stuff in me that's got to come out. And then when God saw that Job purged himself of that stuff, then he could promote him. The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that doesn't mean including God. He's just saying, besides me, who can know the heart? You can't know your heart. You can't. Your heart is desperately wicked. There's stuff down in there you don't even know is down there. And so we've got to get, we've got to get in our relationship with Him and say, God, turn the heat up. Get this stuff out of me. Whatever it is, I want it out of here so that I can be pure before you. I can be pure before you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It says, Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is mercy? Mercy is God not giving us the thing we deserve. Punishment. Judgment. Grace is God giving us something when we don't 
something good when we don't deserve it. Mercy is God holding back judgment on us when we do deserve it. Amen? So thank God for the grace and mercy that He gives us. Amen? And so we, you know, Brother Parker and, and myself and I'm sure many others, and if you read your Bible and stuff, you, you know, it's all about relationship. It's all about maintaining your relationship with Him. Amen. And as I said earlier, we've got to be able to forgive ourselves. We've got to forgive others. We've got to forgive ourselves because God's forgiving us. And if He's already forgiving, forgiven us, and yet when we won't forgive ourselves, what are we doing? We're, we're just we're making a mockery of His forgiveness. He's forgiven us. Period. End of story. We don't have to fear what, what man says. We don't have to fear, you know, that when the enemy comes into your mind with that stuff, just throw it out. Say, get out of here. That's, wait a minute. That's not what the word says. You're, you're gone. Out. Amen? That's, we gotta maintain that relationship. If I never talked to her in 33 years, we wouldn't be married for 33 years. Right? If we, ne- if I never said a word to her, if I just went my way and did my stuff, and she went her way and did her stuff, we'd have been apart a long time ago. But how have we? What's one of the things that we've had to do over 33 years? Have communication, not just talk, but communicate, and have that relationship, that that give and that take, and all those things that go along with the relationship. That's why God created man and woman so that we would understand relationships, so that we can in turn do that with Him, because He is. The groom, isn't he? We're the bride, aren't we? And the groom's not going to do anything wrong or bad to the bride. And the bride's going to make sure that she doesn't do anything to, to mar the name of the groom. Because we took on his name, didn't we? Right? We got married to God. Took on his name in water baptism. We gave, we gave up our name. We took on his name. Amen? Praise God. Is this okay tonight? Yes, ma'am. Yes. And that's that word in the Scripture that says, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. That word care means the Greek is anxiety. Fearfulness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like I heard one preacher say, if you take the gospel pill, you won't need to take the world's pill. <laughs> right? Because the gospel pill will do away with all your anxiety and fear and doubt and, and unbelief. What did that guy say after Jesus drove the Spirit out of his son when the disciples couldn't do it? He said, Lord, I believe... Now help thou my unbelief. Right? So we all deal with that too. That spirit of unbelief. I mean, you can stop that recording. Praise God. <laughs>